Put paste and do 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 like cre creates. Purgatory in Catholic slash Christian religious circles is the in-between place right after you die. You're not alive, but you're also not in the afterlife. You're mildly suffering in a hybrid limbo state of purgatory. If you're training for a run or endurance event, this place is also called the The gray gray zone. Find out why you should stay out of the gray zone and when you should be in it on this episode of Trees and Delay. Don't master a lot, don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none, just be be a master of some. What is up? Welcome to Trees and D-Lake, a podcast series by Mike Trees and yours truly, Darren D-Lake Creates. In this series, our goal is to educate and entertain smart and committed runners. A bit more on that from Mike Trees. And the aim of this podcast is to give, in a lighthearted, amusing and entertaining way, hints and tips to help you all run better and enjoy your sporting life more. So let's see how we can go with that. Mike's being pretty modest. He has over 50 years of running and doing triathlons under his belt. And if you're wondering about me, I've been in the endurance sport game for about 25 years now, done a sub three hour marathon and completed an Ironman triathlon in 10 hours. We appreciate all the help and support that we can get. So if you can, please share out this episode to someone that you know that would like this. Oh, quick language warning. In some rare instances, we might use some bad words. So apologies in advance for that. Most coaches preach to not stay in the gray zone, which is between aerobic and anaerobic heart rate zones on a five-zone heart rate model. And if you follow the 80-20 rule, you know that eight out of 10 runs should be easy, like very easy, and two out of those 10 should be hard, like extremely hard. So where then do gray zone runs fit that are in between easy and hard? We'll attempt to answer that and clear up the confusion of gray zone on this episode. What you'll learn, what the gray zone is, how to stay out of it, when's the best time to be in the zone, a fun story of how I thought I was in the gray zone, but I actually wasn't, and much more. Let's jump into the chat with Mike Trees and me. Warm-up complete. All right, Mike, we're jumping right into this. The gray zone, better known as Z3, uh, if you're on the five-zone heart rate system. Tell me about the gray zone please define it because i think a lot of people in the world runners world you know other runners new runners everyone has their own definition please define what you think is the gray zone so yeah my understanding of the gray zone and and how i how i define it with my athletes that i work with is it's an aerobic run uh and it's not hard it's not easy it's it's in the middle and it's the sort of zone that most beginners drift into you're running along and easy feels too easy so you need to go a little bit harder but hard you start to build up lactic and it just everything aches and hurts too much so they drop down uh, and the gray zone is just this zone that they think they're pushing but they keep going oh this feels good and then when they finish ah, that was good i've got a really good sweat here and it's just not quite hard enough and it's not quite easy enough you know on a, on a scale of uh one to ten uh, it's probably somewhere around about a, a seven out of ten for effort uh, an easy run should really be three to five, maybe maybe even five to seven. Uh, and again, you see, it's here's me changing my definitions already. It's it's so hard to define. That's why people can drift into it so much. Uh, and so what I say is just to make sure you don't drift into that sort of 
no no man's land that zone we shouldn't go into make the easy really easy and the hard really hard uh, and never the twain can meet and therefore you're making sure you're keeping out of that zone as you you start to understand and feel your own body so tell me about why we should stay out of it and i know everyone has different objectives you know what are we optimizing for is a big question and i whenever someone com comes to me they're like coach me on this i'm like what what are we doing no no no, no. i'm not just give you random advice like i need to know what you want what's your objective so a pro runner gray zone is different than a brand new runner's gray zone and then the distance is a pro a 5k runner is different than a brand new runner and wants to run a marathon or an ironman it's pretty even simple a gray zone is just an area you shouldn't be going to in that training if that certain intensity is specified by the coach, then it's not the gray zone. So the, that's probably a simpler way of saying it. If you're going for an easy run, you've got to keep it easy. If you drift and go too fast, that's going to the gray zone. If you're going for a hard run and you just can't maintain it and drop down a bit slower and slower, that's the gray zone. But if you're training for a marathon and your coach says run at, at that sort of seven out of 10 intensity, then it's not a gray zone. <laughs> It, because it's being specified as an area to go to. So it might clear it up a little bit. So I like athletes generally to be training very easy 80% of the time or hard 20% of the time. And if you go hard, you need that 80% easy to recover. Uh, and what they get wrong is they think by going a little bit harder and easy run, it'll benefit them more. So breaking down again, to get faster, you need your aerobic development, you need your anaerobic uh, efficiency development, you need some speed work for leg speed, which we call neuromuscular development, and you need a little bit of strength work, uh, strength and conditioning, four simple elements. So we, I like to keep it as simple as that. So four simple elements to get faster. Now the easy running, people think that going faster in an easy run will make them quicker. Well, it's so far removed from race pace they, they really don't understand. If, if I say that your easy run is six minutes per kilometer, but your race pace is four minutes per kilometer, well, running at five minutes per kilometer is not actually going to help you run any quicker because there's no neuromuscular development. The muscles aren't getting used to. Sorry, uh, just need to clear that up for you Americans out there. That's about eight and a half, nine minutes per mile or... <sighs> 650 yep. to 7 minute miles. So just letting you know. That. All right, sorry, keep going. <laughs> okay. So uh the, the numbers that the the actual times aren't the specifics, it's just the distance from race pace. So say we we do it back in miles then and and you're doing an easy run it's meant to be at uh, we'll say 10 minutes per mile. Uh but you drift up to 8 minutes per mile. But your race pace is 7 minutes per mile. Well, you're so far ahead of easy running that it's not going to give you that easy development. It's just going to make you tired and more tired than you meant to be. But you're still a minute off race pace. So you're not getting the neuromuscular development uh, and, and the, the race pace training for the muscles that you're meant to be getting. So you're not you're in, in no man's land. You're in the gray area, the gray zone. Uh, and so this is where people need to understand an easy run is for capillary development, for the mitochondria development, uh, and just to develop the aerobic system, the aerobic capacity. And going quicker doesn't help you go quicker in a race. That's what they need to understand and learn. At the same time, if you go too quick uh, in your easy runs, you're going to be a little bit tired, a little bit jaded, not quite on your A game. So therefore, your hard runs aren't as hard as they're meant to be. The hard runs, if you're meant to race at seven minutes per mile, 
or we'll say four minutes per kilometer. And you can't do that because you're too tired because your easy runs a little bit hard and you're running at eight minutes per mile. You've then drifted back down into the, the gray zone. So it's not quick enough to get you the race pace development, the, the efficiencies that you're meant to be going for you're, to, to help buffer the lactic buildup. You're not getting any development you're meant to be getting uh, because it's too easy. So therefore, your hard runs are too easy. Your easy runs are too hard. You're in no man's land. You're in the gray zone. It's so subjective. And like you said, and I love that, you know, it's like if your coach tells you to get into it, then there's no more gray zone anymore. And that's the zone you're supposed to be in. So um, I call it I call it purgatory. You know, it's like it's when you die. Are you going to heaven or hell? So we've talked about what it actually is. We've talked about why you should stay out of it or, you know, when you should go into it. But give me more about when it's OK to go into it, when that coach says go into it. And, you know, a bit of how long is OK, you know, how many days. I know it's really general. Let's say this is Joe Blow that's never ran a marathon before and they want to jump into running a marathon and they're, they're a beginner. Let's let's well, let that, use that as, a, as an example. Let's let's complicate it a little bit, because when we say it's OK to go to the gray zone, we're not really what we're doing is we're saying work at a certain intensity. So if we define that as the intensity you need to go, it's not the gray zone because the gray zone is drifting into this zone that you shouldn't be in. It's drifting down to it or drifting up into it. But if the coach specifies that you need to be running at around about threshold or just below threshold, uh, where you're, you're not really building up much lactic acid, but it's, it's a niggling pain. The sort of the, what we would call the gray zone on an easy run. It, it's really your marathon pace. Say you're doing a marathon. That's your race pace. So you need to run in what inverted commas some people call the gray zone because that's actually your race pace. But again, make it more complicated. Is it, I don't think of it as a gray zone because it's a zone that I specify you need to be in to get the pace and the neuromuscular development and the stamina for running the marathon so it's okay to run it having said that you shouldn't run in it too hard because it's still probably classified as part of your 20 percent hard it's still hard because you're not running that fast but you'll be in there for quite a while if you're running a marathon uh, and, and i need to get you some uh zone three uh work which could be called the, the gray zone you're probably in there for an hour uh, and so although it's not a really intense session, you're in there for an hour. So it's not really uh, an easy session. So it would still be classified as your 20% hard. Uh, and therefore, it's okay. So for people who are running, uh, I would say, 10Ks, 5Ks, they probably don't need to train much in zone three or the gray zone. But if you're doing half marathons and marathons and ultras, you probably need to, well, not so much ultras, but marathons, you need to be getting up there because it's probably your race pace. Uh, and so that's when I would specify that you need to train there. Add break. This episode is brought to you by Energy Coaching, which is Mike Tree's coaching service. Mike and his team of coaches work with beginners to pros and all levels in between. No one is too fast and no one is too slow. They just want a desire to learn and improve. They focus on 1500 meter races to marathon running and triathlon training. Energy coaching is constantly overbooked. So Instagram and this new podcast venture, Trees and D Lake, gives Mike and the rest of his energy coaching team a way to reach out to more people and help them. Contact Mike and his team at the letters nrg-coaching.com or go to the link in the show notes. And back to the show. Let's go into the science a bit also. 
what's the downsides of actually training in the marathon pace zone, the gray zone? Because that's not really a great, there's, there's cortisol that gets, you know, um, that, that your body produces, which is stress hormone, there's free radicals, all these other things that can happen that can wreak havoc on your recovery, on your fitness, you know, on your health, your general health. So w- would you say that some of these experts are, are right in there's a way to train more around that Z2, that high Z2, the MAF, the IMAP, you know, the, the IMAP, whatever it is. Would you say that? So, MAF is pretty much uh, zone two, maximum aerobic, nearly all the time, with a little bit of hard work at the end uh, to get you ready for race fitness. So, again, I need to clarify that when you're talking about this free radical damage, the, the production of cortisol, the fight and flight syndrome, uh, and sort of uh, the immune response, you know, the depressed immune system, all those things. That happens a little bit in zone three, but it happens more in zone four. So actually the damage you're getting is much greater in zone four. So this is what people need to understand. Zone four and zone five, that's really when you're doing the damage to the body. Uh, And so actually in terms of long-term health, if that's what you're after, uh, longevity and, and lack of free radical damage and just enjoying a real healthy life, uh, it's it's better to, to do zone two and zone three than zone two and zone four five, but people want to race quickly, so they're balancing up this this health uh, demand and also their desire to to improve their race times. So actually, that what you're talking about that free radical damage and and the 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 response uh, to the the, the effects on the body is worse in zone four and five than is zone three. So, uh, so yeah, I would say that it's not that bad to go there. It's just not as efficient to go there most of the time. It, it's much better. Science seems to be showing it's much better to go easy or hard. If it's health you want, you don't need to go past zone two, really. Zone, zone two is great. A bit of strength work and a few leg strides to get a bit of leg speed in there. Uh, and, and you'll, you'll have a great healthy lifestyle. If you want to race quicker, you need to go into zone four, zone five. Uh, but the, yeah, there's been you know, some some people suggest that it, it puts extra stress on the heart and, and lots of people will come up with different problems. But I think, you know, so long as you're not going there too often, it, it's like anything. It, it's it's balanced. It won't do any damage. Uh, again, I, I, I look at it in life. If, if I'm eating a super healthy diet 100% of the time, that's great, but it's boring. So I like 20% of the time, I'll have a donut. I'll have a cake. I will have some some fries or whatever, but only 20% of the time, because I think it's not really going to cause that much damage to the body. The body is amazing at recovering and repairing itself. So, so long as I'm keeping it that 80% of the time I'm eating well and, and just slipping 20% of the time, it's fine. The same with the training. 80% of the time is all aerobic in the right zone. 20% in that high zone is okay. So it, it's okay to have a little bit of damage. The body can repair and recover. Uh, but the, the gray zone it doesn't do as much damage as zone four and zone five, but it, it just in there the whole time you, you're in me- mediocrity. You're, you're not recovering and you're not going hard. That's the real problem with the gray zone. It's not hard enough and it's not easy enough. Got you. All right. So let, let's, let's talk about, you know, the, the, where the real damage happens with the free radicals, because I've got a really cool story where I, most of the year, you know, I'd say 90% of the year, not even 80% of the year, I'm training Z2, Z1, I'm doing, uh, you know, alactic or, you know, anaerobic ATP sprints. Um, mm-hmm. It's not even alactic. And I'm like, I'm not even in Z5, you know, like I'm just, it's sprint work, it's strength and conditioning, weight training, and a whole lot of Z1, Z2. 
And then I might, you know, about 12 weeks out from race, I'll start doing VO2 max work, which is zone four, which is very much mm-hmm. zone four, but I'm out of that very quickly, very long recovery. So my body flushes out the lactate and mm-hmm. I don't build it up. Um, and then I get back into it. And then four to six weeks out from my race, which I'm in right now, <laughs> I then properly am building up lactate and I'm in Z4 sliding into Z5, you know, at the end of the intervals, at the end of the sets. Um, and because of that, I'm actually, you know, I thought that was Z3. I thought that was the gray zone, as we spoke about earlier. And I actually, you know, I'm having issues with my sleep. Um, you know, I'm getting enough sleep, but I'm waking up in the middle of the night multiple times having to pee, quote unquote, air quotes, uh, even though I don't actually have to pee, you know, a little bit comes out and I've read up on this and that's definitely cortisol. I have like this kind of like jittery feeling like I drank caffeine before I went to sleep and, um, I'm needing, I'm, I'm realizing that after certain r- workouts, in particular, when I do long, fast tempo runs at about 10K effort, a little bit slower than 10K effort, uh, but really long with short intervals, those are the worst for me. My body, it takes me proper 72 hours to recover. Whereas today I did a 3K a pace workout, you know, 600s, 400s, really fast, fast recovery. I can I'll recover on this, you know, 36 hours, 48 hours. I'm good. But that tempo run, holy shit, that thing, like, it just wreaks havoc on me. And as you told me before, that's that's the most damage it will do. It's quote unquote unhealthy. Um, but if I want to get faster, I'm going to give up a bit of my health for speed. And, you know, the minute racing is done, I'm going to go right back into Z1, Z2, proper recover. So this isn't something I'm staying in. But um, I do appreciate you telling me about <laughs> that's not Z3. That's actually that's actually Z4, <laughs> Z5. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, to get quicker, uh, we need to build up the aerobic engine, make it bigger. We need to buffer the buildup of lactate so that the lactate will get into the muscles and in the bloodstream and it will slow down the ability to get oxygen to the uh the muscles the working muscles so that's why we do some quicker work uh and and to develop an an efficiency and and hopefully we can work at a faster pace building up less lactate that's the aim but also in a race we need to have lactate tolerance so that in more the shorter races than the long ones uh, and and really i'd say 5k and a little bit up to 10k but it's 15 threes and fives Uh, and this tolerance this is where the real damage is done what you're doing is you're building up large amounts of lactate this is what you were doing at the end of the session so while you're really damaging it, you're doing the hard work you're fatiguing the muscles over time so you're tired from that there's muscle fatigue in there you've you work the the lactate threshold system and towards the end you're really pushing the max maximum heart rate and you're trying to keep moving with large amounts of lactate in the blood uh which is quite painful and everything wants to slow down the arms that want to drive uh, and, and that builds up this tolerance that if you can keep moving at the end of the race with large amounts of lactic, which uh, is super important to win uh, track races and, and race at the end, uh, it, it gets you faster times. But it, it's very hard to do and it does a lot of damage to the body. So combining that with all the other work over the hour, you've you basically run yourself in the ground. Uh, and so you need time to recover. I mean, it's super great training, but just a little bit. Uh, not too much and this is where people get wrong as you you realize and you know you're on the edge is you're getting up and peeing all night <laughs> you know the cortisol levels are through the roof uh the adrenaline's just constantly pumping but 
boy, do those sessions feel really good just after you finished. You're on this high for the next couple of hours. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm on it right now. Buzzing. I'm on it right now. <laughs> you don't want, if, if you're doing it in the evening, it's the worst for me. I have to do them in the morning because if you're doing the evening, you just don't sleep. I used to go swimming at nine o'clock at night when I was racing professionally, nine till 10. I couldn't sleep till one. I was just buzzing constantly uh, and it, it wasn't the greatest. So, yeah, they feel great for a while. You get this real runner's high. Uh, but you crash afterwards, uh, you crash and burn. Uh, and so you've just got to make sure that I would even say, you know, a lot of these like uh, Peter, C- uh, Stephen Seeler uh, says, maybe even it's, it's 90, 10, uh, it's 90% easy and 10% hard. You know, that when you're pushing that hard, maybe the 80, 20 rule doesn't quite work. It's even as you're finding, maybe it's even too tough for that. So you might be need to drop down to a, a 90, 10 regime if you're pushing that hard. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you did want to talk about Anigi Semilan to end this off. Uh, I oh, Semilan. Sam, yeah. Semilan, yeah. Basically, uh, he, he coaches uh, Pukacha, uh, and it was m- more the fact that he was saying that zone two is where you need to be. Uh, and, and he was saying that you need to be there for about an hour, uh, three, four times a week. Uh, and that's through his experiments, and he's coached and take, I mean, way more experience than that. And Pocaccio, for people who don't know, is a Tour de France winner, uh, one of the best in the world. Uh, and he was going through his blood pri- profiles comparing with other people. Uh, and in a recent podcast, he was asked how much training you should do in zone two. And he was saying the ideal, actually, if you have the time, uh, you know, four to five hours a week, but most people don't have the time. So three to four is going to get you there. You should be looking at being there for about an hour a time. What I want to say is it, it's great. And, and people are reading this, an hour a time is still a lot for running, you're still going to get overuse injuries. So if you're going to be doing an hour a time of training uh, four or five times a week, you need to be introducing cross training into it. So when you're building up this aerobic system, look at other avenues. It could be the rowing machine. It could be the stepper, the ergo. Uh, it could be cycling. could be swimming. Uh, I definitely am a big advocate of mixing up what you're doing in zone two when you're training. Uh, because that will reduce the chance of injury. Reducing the chance of injury keeps consistency in the training. And the more consistent you are over time, the better the results. We have gone over uh, a lot. Honestly, the gray zone. We could go on forever. The the rabbit hole gets real deep. It gets really complicated. We didn't even talk about, you know, uh, Krebs cycle. We didn't even talk about, uh, bi- what is it, sodium bicarbonate buffer. I know you talk about buffering a bit. We went over defining the gray zone today. Why you should stay out of it when you should go into it, how long, how it's super subjective, and my kind of how I thought I was in the gray zone, but it was more Z4, Z5. We'd love to talk about this more in the future. Let us know. Hit us up on Instagram, uh, Mike at run.energy, all the letters, and me, D Lake Creates. Uh, hit up the show notes so you can email us and let us know if you want to hear more about this. This could be part of a series on gray zone. And um, yeah, Norwegian, the Norwegian model on lactate threshold, won't even go into that. Feel like Google those if you want to know more about that stuff. Uh, Mike, you got anything else to add to end it off? No, no, I just, it's just a classic. It's, it's great that you mistook the gray zone for zone four, three and four, uh, four and five in the sense that this is the problem. Most people learn this terminology, but then they don't apply it and they, they misuse it. So they think they're doing one kind of training when they're doing something else. So this is why I'm constantly trying to simplify it, get them used to this feeling and understand the feeling they're at. Uh, and which is why we've got to keep hammering the message out because there still will be a lot of people who come away from this podcast thinking they understand it, but still go out too fast because they really don't know how easy an easy run is. <laughs> Let's go. 
Welcome to the show, I'm your host Aaron So, aka D-Lake Tips and tactics, you can train like a pro This cast to help you and faster than you could go All the PRs you could beat, of course records that comes in your upcoming season Right? Don't you agree? Endurance sports, a metaphor for life That's that metaphor, baby Eating clean so you can rest and sleep all night Don't master a lot, don't master a little, just stay in the middle Don't master all, don't master none Just be a master of some Is the health and fitness internet too much sometimes? Too many conflicting articles and videos that confuse you on how to train and eat right? Or you don't have time to just read and watch everything about, I don't know, the new trends on carb cycling for trail running. Don't worry, we'll take care of all that for you. Sign up for our free email newsletter, Three Thing Thursday. We'll put three perfectly curated and created things in your inbox for better living and training. Go to delatecreates.com slash TTT. We do the hard, time-consuming work and scour the health and fitness internet's deepest and darkest corners. This is so that every Thursday, you have a piping hot new email with the latest and coolest tips, tricks, tools, tactics, and skills. All so that you can train and live consistently to do dope shit in your next endurance event. If you sign up now, you can receive my quick guide on how to get healthy, stay fit, and use data to create habits that last a lifetime. That's delatecreates.com slash TTT to be inspired and motivated on the regular. Time. Time is a resource no one can make more of, so we appreciate you taking precious time out of your day to listen this far. Our goal is to show the world how to live better through running, cycling, and triathlon. The episode and many others have a transcription. Go to the show notes description to find out more. This was produced in Sydney, Australia, and I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land. I pay my respects to the elders, past, present, and future. I recognize their continuing connection to the land, waters, and culture. These lands were stolen and sovereignty was never ceded. If you like this episode, again, we'd highly appreciate it if you go on whatever app you listen to and make sure to follow d Creates Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Acast, and a bunch of others. And if you're feeling real loose, a rating, review, or share of this episode to anyone you know that would be into something like this would be amazing. If you have any questions, concerns, suggestions for the episode, or hell, you want to be on the show, hit us up. The best way is to email talk, T-A-L-K, at dlakecreates.com. We're also on the socials, mainly Instagram. You can hit up Mike Trees at the letters R-U-N dot N-R-G. Or you can hit me up on Instagram at dlakecreates.com or just wherever you can find us is fine. If you need any transcripts, you're into podcasting, or let's say you just are big into accessibility, please use the company that we use, SpeechDocs. You can check them out at speechdocs.com. Don't worry if you didn't get all that. There's a link in the show notes description. Thank you again so much for listening. Peace.